Welcome to Bugs and Beards, the podcast home for everything fly fishing and fly tying. Kick back as we sit down and talk with some of your favorite fly tires and fishermen while we discuss with them the tips and techniques they've learned on the river and behind the vice so that you can use those lessons learned to make your time more effective. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the Bugs and Beard podcast. Uh, it's Pat and I sitting at the mic today. Uh, how you been, Pat? Sick. Sick? Really? Sick. Through the holidays. Oh, yes. Yeah, we kind of took a break there for the holidays, and uh, we're getting back at it now. But, uh, yeah, I we had a little bit of a sickness go through our house here, too. A little bronchitis with the boy. And, oh, it's been horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Days in bed. <laughs> well, horrible. Glad it's over. Uh, at least you're... Now it's not a bad winter, so at least you're better now. And Yeah, at least it's not freezing cold. Yeah, I... Oh, I, I got to say here while we're at, I'll give a shout out to Evan Brandt from Sidling Hill Hackle. Did you see his post today about the male prostitute? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I probably, yes. Yeah. I, yes. I got to tell you, if you want to follow anybody at all on Facebook, you got to follow <laughs> Evan Brandt. If you're listening to this, Evan, I told you before, I wake up every day and scroll through Facebook just to see what you post. <laughs> Today's picture was a little cartoon of a guy standing beside a car, and it said male prostitute. And the guy was looking in the window at the woman, and he said, I'm sorry, I just don't have enough money for my fishing license that just expired. <laughs> yeah. That was a good one. I enjoyed that one. But anyway, we're getting real off topic. We didn't even start the topic yet. So let's get into today's topic. And uh, uh, let's, let's stay off topic for a second. We'll just do a little another little bunny trail. Um we had Walt Young on the episode not too long yes, ago. Yes, not too long ago. Yeah, right before Christmas. And uh, we talked about having a fly tying competition here in Pennsylvania again. So if you listen to that episode, we had a lot of fun with Walt. And uh, I suggest going back and listening to it if you didn't listen to it. Because there's a lot of cool information there and a lot of history in fly tying. and Definitely that. history. Yeah, I like the history part of it. and I, I've been blessed to be around some of those guys, but he was there at the heyday of it, and so that was cool to have him on there. But um, we had kicked around the fly tying competition, and when we shut the, the mic off there at the end of the night, we kept talking about it and discussing it, and we ended up, we're going to have the fly tying competition. It will be March 21st at Bellwood, and it's the Keystone Fly Tying Classic. And uh, you can find information on it on facebook so there's a you're gonna have to send in a fly i think the fly is due 21st 21st of february yeah that sounds right i think a month before so um you're gonna have to tie a dry fly which is a light k hill size 12 size 12 light k hill and uh what size do they want the size 12 pheasant tail nymph size 12 pheasant tail nymph okay so you have to tie those two flies to enter and uh, you'll send them in and they'll be critiqued by walt and on you know proportion size all that kind of stuff and uh if you make the cut you'll be invited to tie at the competition at the fly tying show at bellwood there the central pennsylvania fly fishing show so it's a real cool show if you're in the central pennsylvania area I suggest stopping into it. It's a new one. Um, second year. Yeah, second year. It's uh, it's in the heart of fly tying country. So uh, here in Pennsylvania, there's like two areas that are known for fly fishing, and that's State College and like the Carlisle area. That's where 
you know, State College, you had Joe Humphreys and Harvey and George Daniels and, you know, all the greats that come out of that area. And then you have the Carlisle area where you had the Vince Marineros, Charlie Fox, you know, and, and the guys that are there now, like um, the Clousers. And so, like, there's a lot of history in those two areas. And you're right – well, we're two hours from the Carlisle, but yeah. right down the road from the State College mm-hmm. area. You know, if the weather's nice – you're right off the Little J, not too far from the Little J, so bring your rod with you. You can go fishing. Yeah, that you're not even still that open. far from State College and go up there. So. Yeah, go up. Spring Creek's open. It would yeah. still be open in the project part up there. So there's fishing opportunities if the weather's nice. So that's the bad thing about having fly fishing shows in the wintertime. But yeah, it gives you something to do. Get give, out of the house. Gives you something to do and get out of the house. Break the tension. But they're very weather yeah. dictated, I guess you would say. But anyways, like I said, uh, the Keystone Fly Chilling Championships are going to be held in Bellwood on March 21st. So if you're interested in that, uh, you can also hit me up on Facebook, just Sean Holsinger on Facebook there. I can get the information to you. So enough about that. We're going to have a discussion now on fishing muddy water. And um, this is something that Pat and I used to avoid avoid yeah you know uh you would see a rainstorm coming you would look at it and you think well i'm done for three days yeah and at least yeah (laughs) at least three days depending on what stream you're fishing and uh you just pack up and do something else well since fishing with gordon and learning learning from gordon and some other people and stuff like that now we do rain dances i think (laughs) and uh pray for rain and enjoy the muddy water that so, was actually the first time we fished with him that was the first the very time first yep. day yep Gordon came to the shop and he's like you know where there's any wild trout around here and we're like yeah we know where there's some and uh, we headed to a stream with him and it was raining and the water Ooh, was buckets it was raining bad yeah we, <laughs> we had the raincoats on and uh, the water was rising as we were fishing and um I learned probably more that day than I've ever learned fly fishing. Yeah, and, no doubt. And it was some weird stuff I learned that that I never thought of, but as soon as I was shown it, it was like, man, why didn't I even think of that? And, and boy, we caught a lot of fish. <laughs> so why do you think we caught the fish? Why do I think we caught the fish? Because nobody else was there. Well, yeah, yeah. We had to stream <laughs> order ourselves. Yeah, well, I'll give it but, that. But, uh. I don't know, when the rain turns on, bugs and worms, I mean, anything just starts floating down that stream. And to me, they kind of go like in a smorgasbord mode. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, agree with that. Food everywhere. Now, when I say stained water, muddy water, I'm not talking chocolate milk. Not chocolate. Yeah, I'm not talking chocolate milk with trees floating down and, you know, dangerous situations. We're talking when the rain comes, from the time the rain starts... Until the time it gets to chocolate milk. That's like the perfect window. That yep. that green to brown stage. Tan. Tan, yeah. <laughs> kind of getting tan. And then after, like around here for me on the stream, I fish like two days later when it's that brown's just starting to turn to green. And you got that window, that short window there where it's going from brown to like a milky green color. Is where I like to fish too. 
Well, it might not even be two days. It could be the next day. It could the, be later that afternoon. Just depends on how much rain you get. Yeah, it depends on how much rain you get and how much rain. I mean, how much water's already in the stream yep. and I mm-hmm. mean conditions. But average springtime. Yeah, yeah, average springtime on the one stream. It's like two days for me. But but yeah, we we learned a lot on that. And I'll tell you the funny thing, the funny story that I'll say that I learned the that day fishing with Gordon was we went to this one hole that I fished all the whole spring and I caught a lot of fish out of it. And I said, right here's where I always fish. And Gordon's like, well, go ahead, you go there. And uh, so he, he said, you just do what you normally do. And I, I did that. I hopped in, I started fishing the seam that I was always fishing the same seam that I fished the day before when it wasn't raining. And I caught a fish or two. I'm not going to lie. I did catch a fish or two. Gordon stands there and watching me, and then he pulls out his rod on the bank and starts catching fish behind me. And I'm like, I turn around and look at him and give him a weird look like, what in the world are you doing? How are you doing this? And he's like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm fishing the seam that I always fish. I said, I always catch fish right on this seam right here. He said, well, that's good, but guess where the seam's at now? He said, that seam, was the water comes up, that seam moves in. And the seam was actually, the real true seam was behind me. Yeah, because that seam we were fishing was ripping. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was ripping. It was. And there was still fish there. I mean, we still caught, a, yeah. I caught a couple of fish, but, you know. Not I, like we did once we moved back. Right. Yep. Yeah. You know, I thought I was doing good here. I was out fishing with Gordon, and I catch one, and he catches one, and I finally catch two, and he's up to four, <laughs> and I catch three, and he's on 15. <laughs> I learned, yeah, I needed to get up on the bank with him. <laughs> yeah, guy had his waders on, didn't even get wet. Nope. <laughs> didn't even get wet. But that was the day we fell in love fishing muddy water. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Learned a lot. I did, too. And uh, the biggest thing I learned was learning to read the water better. Yes. And that was one thing that I, I always thought I was pretty good at reading the water. And I don't like, I'm going to come out and admit it. I don't like fishing big rivers like the Little Juniata in our area. I'm not a big fan of fishing the Little Juniata. I I can hammer fish on a small stream, but I have trouble finding the small stream in the big stream when I get on a stream like the Little Juniata. So I kind of tend to stay away from those streams because I can go have a good day on a Little Juniata, catch five, maybe ten. You know, that would be a great day for me. Now... That's going nymph fishing. If there's a big hatch coming off, and yeah, you, you know what I mean. That, that's yeah. different if you're fishing a hatch. But if if I'm out nymph fishing, nothing nothing happening on the water or anything like that, five, ten fish is a great day on the Little Juniata. I can go to any other stream close to me here. Crankfish out. And have a 20, 30-day fish. So I kind of have pigeonholed myself into the small stream because I can read the water better. Well, that, and I think... For us, there's so many small streams here compared oh, to out west. Right. I mean, a big stream around here is pretty much a rarity. Right. I mean, there's just not that many of them, so we tend to fish more small streams. Right. I mean, 20 miles from my house, we're probably talking 15 to 20 trout streams. Oh, yeah. And they're, and they're small streams. And that's just the one people know of. Yes. That. Yeah, that's... You know, there a lot of those are class A and mm-hmm. good wild trout waters and but and 
you know, and some of them are miles and miles long too, that are really good trout water. But I kind of got myself pigeonholed into fishing small water and reading the water, but I didn't realize that day how water currents and stuff are affected by the rising water. And so that was a huge, huge thing for me. Yeah, I definitely learned a lot about just reading water in general that day. I mean, that was definitely getting out there with him and seeing somebody do it was and it was it was crazy you know just to turn around and look and he's literally fishing right off the back of our boots right and i mean (laughs) and then to come back and then hear him explain why and then we got into discussion of bugs and i guess we'll get to that point too but i mean a lot of people do not fish water that is that off colored right so to go out and do it it gets you more days on the creek. It does. That's like we started this whole episode. I mean, we were we were shutting ourselves down for a considerable amount of time oh, yeah. if it was a rainy season, you know. We were we were out days when we we which, were sitting on the couch when we could have been which fishing. Which in reality, the year that happened was the year we got more rain here than Washington state. Yeah. I mean, we had tons of rain. Yeah. So that was a, a, a definite plus for us because, man, we'd have lost out. Mm-hmm. Lost a lot of days. Yeah, we caught. And that was the year I, I jokingly said it was the year to be a nymph fisherman. The dry, yeah. dry fly, if you're a dry fly and die guy, oh, this man. was two years ago for us. And it was just horrible if you were a dry fly and die because our hatches were few and far between with the we water We had conditions. rain. Every three, four days. Yeah, it was. Like lots of rain. Yep. <laughs> it was nice because we had, we had good water all summer. Yeah, we fished year-round. Like yeah, we really year. didn't have to worry about water temperatures mm-hmm. even in July. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, pray for another one of those years. Oh, yeah. She was pretty dry this year. Yeah, it was dry this year. Yeah, yeah South Dry Run here behind the studio. It's aptly named. <laughs> <laughs> Usually it dries up in June by July for sure. That year it flowed all year long. So nice. Uh, see what happens this year. Yeah, that's one thing too that um, amazes me that how how the insects can make it through that it, through the high waters and stuff like that. Not the droughts. Yeah, and the droughts too. No doubt. Because this little stream here behind the studio here at my house. It it literally goes dry for about a month every year. And every spring there's a sulfur hatch on here. Like how they make it under living in the mud, I guess, sucking up the water that's under the mud and stuff, but Well even it was probably what, two years ago we went to that Trout Unlimited bug kick. Oh yes. Yeah. For well it was open to the public. Right. You went, took your boy and I took my niece and we'd went up there to a small Class A stream, yeah, I would mountain say. stream. Yep. I mean, no pressure, a little bit of fish in there, but that stream practically dries up in the summer. Hmm. And the amount of bugs we kicked out of there. I think we found seven varieties of stoneflies. Oh, it was crazy. Yeah. And that was just a little four foot span. Right. We only had to do one kick because there was that many bugs. It was unreal. And this is a stream we can jump across. Yes, a stream yeah. we could jump across. Yep. Which, it's a feeder stream to one of the streams that we yes. fish regularly. Yep. Yeah. 
So yeah, and, and that just says for goes for mm. water quality in that area. But but yeah, I mean it's amazing, and and I will say too that like that stream is a mountain stream, so that's rushing moving water. Like even where we were kicking, when it's not dry, it's moving. Yeah, and all those bugs don't get washed away and that kind of stuff. So that's that's a pretty neat thing. Nature's a hmm. neat and wonderful thing. But anyway, back to the the muddy water. What's your go to in muddy water? Dark. Anything dark, black, little black nymphs, little black pertagons. Yeah. For me to change it up, I might have a little hot spot on the tail end of it, which. That could lead us into another show talking about hot spots. I kind of like everything dark, as dark as I can get it. But then, even that day with Gordon, we caught fish on squirmies. Yeah. But usually the nymphs for me are dark. Uh, Black, dark, dark browns. So. Yeah, the one I tend to use the most. I haven't haven't fished pertagons probably as much as I should, but... um, the one I like the most in muddy water, I call it the black and blue. Just black thread with uh, blue ultra wire ribbing and a little bit of black dubbing. And I do real well on, well, cocktaily on tail. But I've done real well on that in any stained water. I struggled with that one day, fishing with Tim Camesa. Crystal clear water. Like two weeks after we had a massive flood here, which pretty much scrubbed the bottom of the stream. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy. There was no silt. You could wade as far as you want it and never kick up any dirt. And I struggled so hard to catch fish on that fly. But I knew that if the water temperature or you know, the water clarity would have been different, I would have caught fish. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I've done well in that in clear water too, but it really, really works in any dirty water. Now, will you... How much extra weight will you put on? None. You're fishing the same amount as you would in regular water? It depends. The day, that first day we started fishing with Gordon, we were kind of new to your nymphing, and we still really didn't have a clue as to what we were doing. We were still fishing way heavy. Right. Now I fish way lighter using smaller tippet, getting the flies down in there fishing 2.5 mils right so yeah i would still fish them small smaller beads and just bring myself back out of the heavy current fish the soft seams yeah that's the big key is finding that soft seam that was uh, i actually had a client go two weeks ago with me and the water was a little bit stained there it was two sundays ago two or maybe three now i don't know but um he was a it was raining all day while we were fishing too and he liked to float an indicator he liked the thing bobber, and i got him on to dry dropper fishing and i explained to him you know the bent boy i hate that mic but i explained to him the uh the benefits of the dry dropper over the indicator and he was swinging it downstream a lot which he was totally you know his indicator was below his fly so he would have to lift the indicator up to even get to the fly at the fish he was losing a lot of time there so i got him on to fishing upstream and and that was one of the biggest things that i think 
he hadn't really realized before. He was just kind of willy-nilly casting it out there, drifting drifting his nymph down through with the with his thingamabobber. And I had him watching, like, you know, watch the seams, watch the still water. You're, you're casting too far out and that kind of stuff. And he never fished. Uh, he never fished a dry dropper pattern and caught 12 fish that day, yeah. you know, so he did well and it wasn't, it, it's January. We're talking about fishing. Well, no, it was the end of December. It was like, it was the week between Christmas yeah. and New Year's week. I got sick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and he did really well. So for that time of year to hammer 12 fish and some of those were, you know, wild, wild natives from up in the mountain and. Actually, a lot of them were wild fish. Only a couple of stock trout, but that's a good time of the year to fish, especially dry dropper. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it depends on how heavy the fish are feeding, and uh, well, even in stained water, you could dry drop. You're fishing the saw seams. I mean, there is so much you could do in stained water. That day we we had fished there. And we had learned so much from Gordon. I mean, we literally were fishing two feet off the bank, three feet off the bank. That water, what you have to understand, and if you don't know what we mean by the soft seam, is you want to watch the water currents. And where the line, right where you see the water moving and the water not moving, that's where you want. And you actually want to be on the not moving side. You want it going real slow right down that not moving side because that's where that day those trout were all laying in the not moving side because why would you want to be out there beating yourself up with everything? Put yourself in the mind of a fish. Are you going to want to be out there getting beat up with everything flowing down the stream? That that day I was telling you about the fishing with the client, we were catching a lot of, we were up in the, up in the headwaters and uh, we were catching a lot of leaves because it was washing it out of the game lands and stuff and and uh, caught a lot of leaves up there. So if you're going to be a fish, are you going to sit there and dodge leaves all day long that you can't see until it smacks you in the face? Or are you going to move over, take a break? <laughs> all that. And when they're in a heavier current, they're wasting more energy. True. So, and depending on availability of feed at that time of the year, like now. Right. Then there's going to be very little feed compared to spring. So he has to kick back and conserve oh yeah yeah you got to go into if you're a fish you're in conservation mode right now no doubt they're just like people except they're the, kind of lazy yeah except i was gonna say except even lazier because they're cold-blooded yeah. and yeah you know right now they're in slow motion mode that's about how i feel now <laughs> <laughs> can't wait for the for the sun and the warm weather yeah i'm ready for the sun i, I ain't gonna lie about that i I didn't say hot weather. I no, said no, no, warmer. warm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't do humidity. I hate heat. So. I, I have definitely become a fair weather, fair weather guy, fair weather fisherman, no, fair weather hunter. But yeah, I, I, but I do. Like I said, I'm fair weather, but I will go out in the rain if it's not cold. Oh yeah. So. Well, we have enough equipment now. Yeah, rain jackets yeah. Got and, nice raincoats and everything. So it's not as bad as when we first tackled that yeah and yeah. got soaked yeah definitely so. but yeah I, I mean i've had some of my best days in the rain i can remember a day a couple of years ago mm. up on kettle creek and it was raining and and i was hammering them on wet flies that day in the rain there was some there was flies hatching 
and uh I was swinging wet flies and just catching them one after another. And I remember bumming the guy's frog tug raincoat to, to be able to stay out there and stay fishing. But it is; it's a lot of fun. You got to get out and try it. Yeah, I, I definitely suggest it. It's you know, get out and learn it, and what you learn from that will translate into clear water fishing too. Not clear. Yeah, but it'll carry over. It'll carry over. Especially with fishing the seams. It's fishing that seam. When you learn to find the seam in muddy water, you'll find the seam anywhere. Yeah, when the water clears up and yeah, you'll learn a little bit more about fishing the seam. Yeah. The saw seam. And realize that that seam moves. That was one of the biggest things that I didn't realize. I went in, when we went in there that day, it was a hole I fish all the time and I caught Oh, I can't even tell you how many fish I caught out of that that hole before we went in there with Gordon. And I walked into it. I walked right out to where I always stand. There was still a seam there, but it wasn't the main seam. Like, there's still undercurrents and stuff there that goes through. Oh, yeah. You, you know, I was fishing there because there was a, there was a drop in depth. That drop in depth caused a current and caused a current line on the top for me to see. But that wasn't the current. That wasn't the current you needed to be fishing. But like I said, you know, fish are fish. They're still going to hold oh, the yeah. structure and stuff like that. And that's why I did pick up a couple of fish off of it because there was a there was a depth drop there, and that's where the fish will will hang naturally. But yeah, if you can pick up, that's the biggest thing is picking up that slack water. Once you learn how to fish slack water, you'll catch your fish catch is going to go up. We'll get back to the different flies. You know, that day, you and I, we fished heavier bugs. Right. And if you remember back, you know, Gordon, that's I'm pretty sure that's what he was fishing was like 18s. Yeah. So, little black. Yeah, little black ones. Little pheasant tails. Yeah, and waltz worms. Waltz worms. Yep. yep. So, anything dark. fish can. The reason being, fish can see dark better in the muddy water. It creates a silhouette. It's like... In essence, when you're bass fishing and uh, you fish a black fly at night, why do you, or not a black fly, but a, a black spinner bait or buzz bait at night? The reason being because when the fish is looking up at the surface, he sees a silhouette going across the top of the water. Yeah. You know, he sees the disruption, but he can see the black silhouette through everything else that's light around him. So at that time, when the water's muddy, you know, you don't want to be thrown brown because it's going to look the same color. Or anything light because it's not going to stand out. So throw something dark colored to create contrast. I know a lot of guys, they talk about throwing white, white streamers. Right. I personally do not do very well on white. But on cloudy streams, I've been known to throw big four inch headbangers headbangers and catch really big fish right i will agree with that or even our olive streamer that we used all summer for smallmouth or the black i mean i like the darker colors and i'm not saying you couldn't do it on white but for some reason the white ones just don't cut it for me i will say one of my best days ever on erie steelhead fishing was muddy water with a white streamer see there you go i hammered i don't know how many i caught that day swinging a streamer and it was a big old white bunny leech streamer and just did real well on it i always have them in the box yeah 
But that's not the one I go to the grab. Right. <laughs> Around so, here, I don't fish it. I mean, that was just a, a steelhead kind of thing, too. And that's probably why it doesn't work for me, because it's not my go-to yeah. to grab. And if so, I'm catching fish on another color, I'm not going to put it on. Right. It's not a confidence fly for yep. you. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you know, confidence fly, waltz worm, zebra mm. midge right now. If you want some bonus points in the tying contest... Send Walt a sexy waltz. <laughs> I don't know if you get a bonus point for that. <laughs> I <enough>. doubt it. <laughs> Not with a sexy one. I just thinking about that podcast there when you were saying at the beginning there, and I was thinking, eh, maybe I should just blurt that out now. And I was like, nah, better not. <laughs> he's not a sexy waltz kind of guy. No, he's not. He's a old school waltz. Yep, old school waltz. Yeah. Which worked very well. In it does, and it still does. Yeah. Yes. So, I don't know. I think we about beat that dead horse for a while there. Yeah, no doubt. So, yeah. It's no, something you got to get out and try. That's learn right. from. That's right, definitely. Just uh, get out and fish it. Uh, don't limit yourself by weather conditions and stuff like that because there's... I always used to tell my wife that if it's raining, I'm going to fish under the bridge because if we fish, go to go there to get out of the weather. <laughs> But um, that's not the case. The fish are, fish are still there. They can't go nowhere. So, I mean, take our word. Get out and try it, you know. Yep. They move closer to the bank. Don't go in hurricane conditions. Right. Or if you see trees coming down the stream, I mean. Right. Don't be out there in the thunder. Use your, yeah. use your head. I mean, don't put your life yeah. out for a fish. Right. Yeah, the trout's not worth They'll it. They'll still be there. Yep, exactly. So, anyhow, guys, uh, it's a great show. We went over a lot of topics that we wanted to discuss today. And uh, you can find us on most of your listening apps. You like Stitcher, uh, Apple. Yes, Apple. Yeah. So, anyhow, go out, find it on your web, or you can find it on our website, uh, com. You can find us there and on our Facebook, Facebook. page. Yes. Yeah. So, we'll post all our uh, upcoming podcasts on our facebook page too so thanks for listening everybody we enjoy uh bringing these to you and uh, we have a long line of guests lined up to get on the show here we just got to get with them and a lot of them are going to be coming in for fishing shows. so we're kind of waiting for spring here hmm. and, you know yeah. come in and do it we day. got some good ones lined up we have some great guys that we've talked to and they want to be on the show it's just got to get them in here when we can get them and got a streamer show lined up we're going to have a streamer show talk about streamers talk about fishing streamers and uh that's gonna be a good show right i have uh have a uh an entomologist lined up to come on the show which he's a wealth of knowledge and um we got i have another streamer guy i want to get on too but also i have a guy coming on that we're going to discuss fly tying photography Mm. So that'll be a really good show. You know, we live in the Instagram and Facebook age now, and uh, nice. he, he's one of the best out there. And uh, I'm gonna keep it under my hat who it is until we bring him on. But some of his flies are the nicest ones you'll find online. So, well, now you're starting to give it away. No, it's not who you're thinking. Oh, yeah, it's it's a local guy actually. Oh, okay. So now you know who it is. But anyway. Thanks for listening again, everybody. And until next week when we bring you another podcast, uh, I'm Sean Holsinger and I'm Pat Smith. See you next week. See you next week.
Thank you for listening to another episode of the Bugs and Beard Podcast. This podcast was brought to you by HolesingersFlyShop.com. Head on over to the website for all your fly fishing and fly tying needs. Plus, you can also find a link there to the Holesingers Fly Shop YouTube channel. The channel is full of information with over 250 videos covering fly tying and fly fishing techniques geared towards making your time on the water more enjoyable. From all of us here at the Bugs and Beard Podcast, we hope you will subscribe to our channel and tune in next week as we discuss the sport we love so well. Until next time, get out there on the water and tight lines.